Let's go live. We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. The weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back. Oh, yeah, man, how you doing? You good? Tyson, the green light, launches one to center. Bolt going back, it's up there, it's out there, and it's off the batter's eye. Two-run homer for Matt Thice, and now the Bees have an 11-4 lead. Four consecutive extra base hits to start the seventh inning. Swing and a drive, deep right field. Wow. It's going to go, and this game <laughs> is over. It is a walk-off grand slam for Brad Miller, and the Phillies have won it. A stunning end here at Citizens Bank Park as Brad Miller reaches home plate. The Phillies celebrate a walk-off grand slam. Lofted into shallow center field, coming on Shevler, dives and he makes the catch. Wind started to knock that one down away from Shevler, but Scott making a great sliding grab to save a run or two. With the 40th pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the New Orleans Pelicans select Jared Butler from Baylor University. And of course, that's uh, for the Utah Jazz. So uh, from Baylor, Jared Butler. Again, 6'3", 195-pound uh, guard. Averaged 16.7 points per game at, uh, at Butler last year. With the first pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Rush to left field, forget about it. Now it's Longy and left turning around and watching it sail way out of the ballpark over the billboard on the back concourse. Joe Adele with his 21st homer of the year, and now it's 9-2-B. There you go. Kind of recap how the week's gone in sports. This is the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Jay Catch, across from my good friend Alex Lundberg, Eric Jensen behind the glass for us. We are back, Yawk and Lundy, on the Saturday show. Lundy, what is up? You know, just enjoying another fine Saturday here in the in the Salt Lake Valley. It's, Worst ways to do it, right? Yeah, like every time I come in here on a Saturday, it's just so just like I'm just always in a good mood. I'm just happy to be here man this is this is the dream and you know listening to that open eric great job by the way but who says that summer is slow time for sports like <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on got a lot to talk about today. well and th- this summer in particular, uh, as a person who creates it it is a slow time for sports uh, it takes a lot of time <laughs> well okay relative to some other summers that i have worked in this industry oh it's been a nuts there's week. been some yeah stuff calendars going on yeah, but yeah. there's no, there was no. Usually, there is a dead period from like here yeah. to football season. But sure, yeah. The but draft usually the happens draft, in June. The Olympics, right. like there's been a lot of stuff going on this week. There has been absolutely. So we're gonna have some fun today ahead on the show. Ajay Salveson, an old friend of ours here on the Saturday show, is gonna join us to talk about Utah State. We'll talk both football and basketball with him. Uh, we're also going to get into Saki, uh, technical fouls, all the stuff you guys are used to. And coming up at 1.30, we are going to carry Jared Butler's uh, media availability live. Uh, of course, he is the new draft pick for the Utah Jazz, taking with the 40th overall selection. So we'll talk. Uh, we'll hear from him. We'll also talk a little bit about his selection. We'll also talk about Pac-12 Media Day. we got a packed show. So let's uh, first things first, hope everybody out there is doing great. Uh, weather here along the Wasatch Front, it's a marvelous day today. Not going to be that necessarily. It's been 100 degrees, it feels like, for two months. Am I am I wrong in that thought? Well, I mean, I think it has been 100 probably degrees has. for like two months, if not longer. It's been it's been a really hot summer. But it's dipped into the kind of the upper 80s, low 90s, which relative to what we have been experiencing. Beautiful. Great weather. So hopefully y'all out there are having a great weekend, having some fun on a Saturday. And thanks for taking some time to join us from noon to two, as we typically do right here on the Zone Sports Network. But Lundy, let's get things going here and talk a little bit about the NBA draft. Took place on Thursday night. Uh, we had a great broadcast here on the Zone Sports Network. I know that Eric was a big part of it. Jake Scott and Tim Lacombe uh, doing a lot of the heavy lifting as they kind of reacted to every pick as things went along. What was, I guess, we'll start here. 
What was your overall impression of the draft? Not just necessarily specific to the Jazz, but just overall. Um, you know, I think that it, it, there was some interesting moves. You know, there were a lot of uh, drama and things leading up to it with some of the crazy trades. I mean, yeah, you know, Russell Westbrook to the Lakers was something that I did not see coming. Um, I'm curious as to how that's going to work out. I mean, I think that it could be a great move, and I think it could be a really bad move. Um, you know, I think that the Lakers either became a super team or they made themselves worse, and I'm not sure which. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, just a lot of really interesting things happening. Uh, happy to see, you know, local ties with uh, Nimeus Keita getting drafted to the Sacramento sure. Kings. And, you know, honestly, I think the Jazz pulled off the fleece of the night with what they did on draft night. Okay, so that's the thing. Let's talk about that a little bit. Why do you think so? Is it because that Butler was considered to be a potential lottery pick and then fell due to those health uh, issues? I believe it was a heart condition that was discovered during the pre-draft heart process. Heart condition, and there's some concern about his knees as well. Okay. Um, but, yeah, no, like, it, and it, it's partially that, but the Jazz had the 30th pick. Mm-hmm. And they looked at it and were confident enough to say, we can still get our guy at 40 and turn it into two more draft picks that okay see that right there that's actually it's a pretty bold move right and this by the way justin zanuck first time running the show Mm -hmm. so he i and there was uh, so chad ford uh, of course he was on with dj and pk earlier on this week had him on to talk about it and his whole thought process was that he didn't believe for one second the Jazz were going to pick at 30. He just he said either they're going to trade out or they'll trade out to another pick and get somebody, they're, but they're going to make a move. That's what he thought. He said that there was some thought that maybe they, if they found a guy that was falling far enough down the list, they could try and parlay something to move up in the first round to get a guy, but he didn't think that they were going to pick at 30. Right. Well, that's exactly what they did. They parlayed it into three second-round picks, one of them being the 40th overall selection. As you mentioned, they go out and just say, Hey, um, so we can pick up two extra second-round picks in the future here, and we're still going to get our guy. And it's a risk. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about it. You have to wait 10 more picks, and you don't know necessarily. It's a, it's a big old liar's club at that point. Mm-hmm. Who are you thinking about? We're thinking about this guy, and when they're really thinking about somebody else. Right. But they pulled it off. They did. And it, it, like, and it, it was kind of funny to watch the Twitter reaction because the Jazz traded, and everybody's like, really? Like, you know, all up, upset and everything. And then the Jazz draft jared butler Mm -hmm. and suddenly the tone on twitter switches and everybody goes wow this is actually a really good pick as people start to look into him and you know some of the details about him like you said you know a lot of people early before a lot of those health concerns came out a lot of people have this guy as a lock for a lottery pick sure and so i mean you know health concerns yes that is something to to you know that does raise a red flag even though you know the heart issues were something that were discovered before he played for Baylor and he went and played his whole career there you know you can use that to say okay settle down let's not worry too much about this but it still is a concern right it's something that the Jazz are aware of like this isn't something that they were going oh no he played fine we're not even going to worry about this they they're concerned I guarantee that it's something that's on their radar and they're going to monitor it but they felt confident enough in his abilities that they felt it was worth the risk. And see, I think that's the point there. The one thing I like about Jerry, but let's talk a little bit of his skill set here. I think he's actually a very savvy guard, and he played at an extremely high level. He was one of the key cogs in Baylor's run to the national championship. Uh, Very, very good player. The biggest thing about it is we all know this. Quinn Snyder's new M.O. is about shooting the three. Well, you found a guy who can shoot the three. He shot 41% from three on 185 attempts in his final season playing for the Bears, as well as 38% over 558 attempts for his full collegiate career. He ranked in the 98th percentile as a catch-and-shoot scorer per synergy. He's also a confident shooter off the dribble as well, scoring .93 points per possession, all jump shots off the dribble according to synergy data, good enough for the 77th percentile. He's a high-level shooter, and that should translate. Right. And one thing that, so his coach uh, in, at Baylor, Scott Drew, mm-hmm. one thing that he said about him is he said, Jared is one of the most, one of the unique players that if you look at his tier one games, his stats are actually higher than non tier one games. So the better the competition, the better he's played. 
never bad thing to have that. Right? That's the kind of thing. So it's like, okay, now he's stepping into the NBA where he's facing the best competition. Sure. And so if that continues to hold true, you know, I think that's a great pickup, especially one of the areas where I expected the Jazz to maybe address their needs. I mean, the big glaring issue that we've talked about all offseason since the Jazz were eliminated was they need an athletic wing that can, you know, an athletic four that can guard the wing. That was where they got exposed. But I really do think that this was a very intelligent pick because Mike Conley, you know, he's had on and off injuries. Those hamstrings, man. And the Jazz are, they need that depth at guard, right? Like, if they can get a competent backup, which I think Jared Butler can be, he can play at a high level and fill in. The Jazz, the way that they had addressed that later in the season when Conley would go out, is they would move Joe Ingles from a position where he normally played more over into that kind of point guard position. And so it moved guys out of where they typically played out of their, not just out of their rotation, sure. but out of their normal position and out of their normal role. And I do think that that kind of hurt what the Jazz were trying to do. And if they don't have to move personnel, it's instead of saying, okay, well, instead of playing this role, now we want you to play this role for a few weeks. It's just, okay, you've been playing this role, but backup. We're moving you into the starting rotation. Yeah, It keeps things a lot more just consistent, yeah. and it allows people to stay in their rhythm. Eric had a point here. I just wanted to add one thing on that. Is Joe Ingles, it seemed like he got worn down being that kind of primary backup point guard, yeah. it felt like. If you can make him your third ball handler, your third point guard, essentially, where the the workload is lessened on him because he's getting up there. We all know mm-hmm. that. He's, there's a lot of people who are saying he's a guy watching free agency upcoming potential as a move. I don't, I'm not even going to begin to speculate on that front. But the one thing is if, he, if Jared Butler can be that primary backup ball handler, that's going to help Joe Ingles' workload quite a bit. All right, Eric, you said you had something. Yeah, uh, I would highly recommend I got this from – somewhere else Andy Larson's breakdown of Jared Butler on the Solic Tribune was very very good um he basically kind of broke down the full scattering report but one thing he was saying is actually defensively he thinks that they will use Butler as kind of a wing defender a little bit and he'll be up against guys like LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard and he did mention that he'll he'll probably struggle at first but what I got from reading that and from I watched a lot of Baylor last year. I'm a pretty big college basketball fan. I think that he is a developmental project, but if this makes sense, a quick developmental project. In that this year, I don't know if he's going to see a ton of playing time. I don't know if he's really going to play a lot in with the starting rotation, but he's not going to be you know, a Mieoni type where it takes two or three years in the G League to get him up to speed and, and get him ready to go. I, I, I do think it's going to take some time to develop, but I think the other interesting thing is you guys mentioned his on-ball presence. He is a really good off-ball shooter as well. So I think that you can potentially play him at that kind of two role as a Jordan Clarkson type when you have to take Donovan Mitchell off the floor and he just – ups the backup role a little bit. That That's the hope. Is He makes kind of that transition, and he's played at a high level. Baylor plays elite basketball. We all know that. It's no secret. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Eric. I think the transition for him is going to be maybe a little smoother than, let's say, yeah, Mieoni coming from Yale making the transition. Ivy League and the Big 12, two very different leagues when it comes to hoops and the level of competition you face game in and game out. But looking forward to seeing uh, what Jared Butler can do. But uh, one other note real quick here, Lundy. Let's talk about Derek Favors. Uh, fan favorite. There is no doubt about it. He is being dealt to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And this purely... It's a, it's a salary cap casualty. Yep. They, they're trying to save money, and it's unfortunate because Derek Favors, among the best jazz men in recent memory to come through that locker room, and you would have liked to have seen him. He made, it, he made that return from New Orleans after being traded away previously. Mm-hmm. It's a tough business. There's it is. no doubt about that. It's, it, you know, and as, as a jazz fan, it hurts. Like, yeah. You understand it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't ease the pain at all, and I know that you know Derek was caught off guard by the move as well, but you know, He's one of the top 10 all-time scoring Jasmine. Yep. He has sacrificed a lot for this franchise. And like you said, it's it's a salary cap move. It makes sense. 
it's just unfortunate to, to have to see him go. Um, you know, definitely a fan favorite for a lot of good reasons. He was a lot of fun to watch. And it's just the way that the business goes. So, you know, best of luck to Derek in Oklahoma City. Yeah, um, every like I don't think there's been a single jazz person I've seen on social media who has not wished him well and like kind of lamented the fact that he's leaving the franchise once again. Mm-hmm. You're right. He has sacrificed a lot for this franchise, but the good news is I think he'll always be thought of as a jazz man first and foremost, yeah. no matter what the rest of his career holds. Right. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. All right. Look at that go. Nicely done. All right, we're going to transition now. We're going to talk a little bit about Pac-12 Media Day and the the media poll in particular that came out earlier this week. They held the event down there in Los Angeles. Jake Scott and Patrick Kinahan were on hand doing, I think it was nine straight hours, if not more than that, of interviews with players and coaches from across the conference. Let's talk a little bit about the poll that came out shortly before Media Days began, Lundy. The North, I feel like it was a no-brainer. Right. Oregon, 38 first, pl- first place votes, 238 points. Washington, a distant second, two first place votes, 189 points. Uh, those two are the top dogs in the North, but we all really care about the Pac 12 South because where Utah resides. What were your thoughts on the fact that USC garnered 27 of the first place votes, 223 points, while Utah just six first place votes, finishing in second with 183 points? Well, I think that, you know, until. Somebody else can really consistently unseat them. USC is always going to be that first place team as far as the media. Like, I mean, they they kind of have to be. It's USC. <laughs> it's a good right. And like, I actually had a conversation with me. They're like, well, "Why is USC so much thought to be so much better?" I'm like, "Think of the term USC. Yeah, just the tra- the, the tradition alone is what carries people's. They kind of like they're like, oh, yeah, it's USC. There we go. Right. I mean, you consider that." What they, you know, when they have seven and five seasons, people think the sky is falling, right? A seven and five season is viewed as a failure in Los Angeles for USC fans. So, yeah, they're going to be the number one team for pretty much the rest of time. Yeah. Unless something terrible happens. I mean, they have who a lot of people consider to be one of their worst coaches, Clay Helton. You know, I mean, non-USC fans want him extended for a long time for a reason. And they are still the team to beat. And I don't think anybody will dispute the fact that when the the schedule comes out, they look at when their team plays USC. And they circle that date on the calendar. And because of the weight that carries, I don't see how you can put USC anywhere other than first. Unless there's a team, you know, that really 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 looks great that they've built they've recruited well for a long time they've had a lot of success in prior years and are returning a lot of starters at that point then I can understand okay this year we're going to move them narrowly ahead of USC but in most cases you know especially with the uncertainty coming off of last year there's a lot of turnover in the Pac-12 South for a lot of these programs I mean Mm -hmm. there's a lot of returning talent as well sure but there's just a lot of question marks on these teams and so I I don't you know, I don't think there's really much of an argument there for USC being number one. I do like seeing Utah number two. I think that's a that's a good spot there. Um, I know that a lot of people are are high on Arizona State this year. Um, you may be less high right now, considering it's <laughs> looming over their heads. It feels like. Yeah, it. I mean, the recent suspension of the tight ends coach, and uh, there's, I, I expect a lot more coming down the pipeline. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, even with Without that, there were a lot of high expectations that, I mean, it's entirely possible. Arizona State's one of those interesting teams where I never quite know what to think of them because the years where they have the highest expectations are the years that they don't ever meet those, and the years where they have really low expectations, they exceed them. And it, so, I mean, they always seem to kind of be just – in that middle ground where it's they're just so hard to predict <laughs> they are and that you got a very good point there I, I remember when taylor kelly led them to the pac-12 uh, championship and mm-hmm. they were thought of to be an also ran that season so you're right there are many times it feels like okay asu they thought they could win 12 games they could win defeated this year and it's like they've stumbled to a six and six record yeah. and when they're 
kind of counted out. The thing about Utah in that same vein, though, is I feel like Kyle Whittingham probably looks at this poll and says, yes, this is what I need. I can go to my guys and say, look, the big bad boy of the U- of the Pac-12, USC over here, everything thinks that you guys are just playing second fiddle to them. So go out and prove it wrong. Right. Kyle Whittingham loves any kind of slight, any kind of angle he can mm-hmm. use to work. I mean, why else do you think he's looking at Popular Mechanics magazine? Oh, that's a right. great segment idea. So we know, Alex, but you like the University of Utah. We should make it a segment that every Saturday we 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 write a slight for the University of Utah just football give, team just to give them motivation. Just to give Kyle Whittingham bo- bulletin, bulletin board, board material. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Well, I'll like be working short. on that. <laughs> but no, like he really does. He looks for every angle that he can get for a competitive advantage because po- nobody takes popular mechanics. You know, and this is yeah. going back to yes. 2015. But still, nobody looks at popular mechanics and thinks, I wonder what their takes are on college football. <laughs> and yet when they found out that they had published that Michigan was playing a cupcake in Utah, mm-hmm. oh, man, we did not hear the end of that here locally. And Cupcake Central, man. Yeah. And so, you know, Kyle Whittingham, I guarantee, was showing that in the locker room. You know, well, in even more recent history, if we want something else. And I know that this will probably ruffle a few feathers, but Zach Wilson saying that, you know, this was a few years ago. I think it was 2019 it was, saying, yeah. I don't want to be another, you know, one of those quarterbacks here that lost every game to Utah. I'm going, you know, we're going to beat them. And during BYU media days, all of the players kept saying similar things. And yeah, you it, know, well, trust me, I, it made its way back up to Salt Lake City. We all know did. that. Yeah, there were, you know. I heard from a number of people that, you know, while Utah, the players and the coaches, nobody ever said anything publicly in the locker rooms and in the weight rooms. Those play th- those those videos were playing on repeat. And it's a no win situation for BYU, too, because what do you expect them to say? Like, oh, yeah, we're going to beat by Utah again. No, yeah, you can't you can't say that. But it's just it. It's the fact that you acknowledge it at all. It's fuel to the fire because we all know you're right. Popular mechanics. I kind of like that. If Kyle Whittingham can find anything anywhere that he can use as an angle to motivate his guys, he's going to use it. And he's mm. absolutely going to use this. He's going to say, you know what? Out of 40 media members, only six of them believe in you. 27 of them picked USC. The other six think Arizona State is as good as you. As good as you. They think that they're on the same level as you. Let's go out. Let's make sure that we leave no doubt that we are the top dog. And obviously October 9th, Huge, huge game. BYU, not BYU. You've got BYU in my head. Uh, you got Utah going to USC. I know BYU plays there later in the year. You got Utah going down to the Coliseum. And that game, man, if I got one game circled on the schedule for Utah this year, it's that game. Right. It's it's the make or break because, I mean, you know, Utah hasn't won in the Coliseum. You know, they haven't won at USC in over mm-hmm. 100 years. Yeah. And, right. you know, you know that they're hungry for that. I mean, just a few years ago, they were, what, like a yard short? They've had multiple close calls. Yeah. And there's also been some games where they've absolutely gone down there with the thought that they're going to break that curse of going to Coliseum and losing, and all of a sudden they get their doors blown off. Right. And it's – so, I mean, it, it's one that it's circled and we don't know anything – like, we don't know how it's going to play out. But, yeah, I think that Utah – Utah's going to be in for an interesting season this year. And I'm really excited to see how it plays out. There's a lot of question marks in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that most of those questions do have answers. I just don't know what those answers are yet. So I have a question for you guys. Um, what is one team, and this happens every year, that you came out of media day and you feel more confident about, less confident about, but your perception of them changed just from hearing things because I have one I think it's to me it was UCLA like okay. I I was kind of so so on them but after hearing what Chip Kelly had to say about Dorian Thompson Robinson and after hearing Dorian Thompson Robinson speak I think that they have a legitimate chance to really tough it out with USC and Utah and ASU and I I, I think that they need to be thrown into the conversation of a team that's competing for the top of the South. 
See, the Bruins have a first-place vote. They finished fourth with 135 points in that media poll, and there's a lot of people who have question marks about Chip Kelly. Uh, I'm one of them. I think you're not alone, <laughs> honestly, but we're going we're gonna to find out. And that's interesting you say that, Eric. I, I'm thinking of just teams that, based on what I heard, one that I'm intrigued by because people keep saying that they're, that they're going down, which I, I don't know, Stanford. Like, David Shaw... He's done a lot of good things in his career there. Yep. And they've had their struggles the last few years. But if they can get that quarterback position finally back to where it's stable and it's producing something, and who knows who the quarterback's going to be. Tanner McKee, a guy that BYU won for many, many years, is one of the guys contending for the job out there. I just feel like Stanford sitting in fourth place, they got to be sitting there thinking, okay, yeah, we're the underdog. We can just go out and prove things. I, I, mm. I, I may be completely wrong on that. Maybe everybody else is saying that Stanford's going down. Maybe they're completely right. Yeah, and to my answer to that question, the team that I've got my eye on that I think can exceed expectations, not to say that I think they're going to, but I certainly think they have the capability, Oregon State. Sure. I think the Beavers have been slowly building and acquiring talent in the right places. Jonathan Smith was very meticulous about this rebuild. And I think that he is a good coach. I think he's got some talent on the offensive side. And I think that they're they're trending in the right direction. They're the ones that I have my eye on. Okay, well... Hey, we'll find out. We'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But coming up next, uh, we got a little bit of a change in the schedule. Normally we do five minutes of in the 1 o'clock hour, but Jared Butler expected to speak to the media today, so we're going to carry that live. So we're moving five minutes of to next segment. Saki, 60 and 60. we got all that next coming up on the Saturday Show. The weekend is here, and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Yock and Lundy along for the ride here on this Saturday afternoon. Hope you all are doing great out there. Had fun conversation there in that first segment about both the NBA draft from the National and Utah Jazz perspective, also Pac-12 Media Day. Uh, Lundy, now, normally, as I mentioned before the break, we usually do what we call five minutes of. It's a staple since we restarted the Saturday show. We normally do this in the one thirty uh, segment of our show, and Pulling back the curtain a little bit, did you guys know that we have segments is what we call them on radio? I think pulling back the curtain, some people listening to this are probably like, what are you talking about One thirty segment? We literally plan out shows, and we have it listed by segment by segment. So in our format, we have two hours, we have six segments. Normally the fifth segment, or one thirty is what we term it, normally is five minutes up, but we're going to have Jared Butler, Utah Jazz draft pick. He is scheduled to speak to the media. We'll carry that live here on The Zone, your radio home, your exclusive radio home of the Utah Jazz. We'll carry that at 1.30. So without further ado, let's dive into five minutes of right now. For a staple of five minutes of, and that is Saki. Talking soccer and hockey, two offbeat topics. But 
Lundy's got an interest in hockey. I'm learning about the sport. My team has finally actually got players. We'll talk about the Kraken here in a moment. I'll talk about some soccer. I have a keen interest in that. So let's start off on the hockey front here. NHL free agency underway. We just had the expansion draft for the Seattle Kraken. Lundy, where are we going in the hockey world today? So your Kraken stole Adam Larson from the Oilers, uh, which I'm a little Mwah. bit I'm a little bit sad about. Uh, my Oilers, though, I'm I'm actually you know I I've been bemoaning the fact during this segment in past weeks that the front office seems to be making a bunch of terrible decisions. They are starting to make up some ground, okay. in my opinion. Uh, through the draft and through free agency. Um, one of the main ones was the acquisition of Warren Fogle, okay. who they, they got from uh, the Hurricanes. Uh, they, you know, they lost Ethan Bear, which for Oilers fans, you know, me and the maybe one other that's within the, the sound of our radio frequencies, you know, the loss of Ethan Bear is not that great, but Fogel is a good pickup. Okay. Um, a big part of the reason why is he's strong in five-on-five. Five. He uh, is going to be really effective in helping the Oilers with penalty kills. Um, he was, you know, he was a a difference maker for the Hurricanes. Uh, but you know, one of the reasons that the Oilers were able to to get him, he was a potential trade target because he wanted an increased role that he wasn't going to find with Carolina. And I think he's going to find that role in Edmonton. Uh, he, I think he's going to really help shore up that third line. And he will be a good addition. We'll see what else they can do to build around. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously the, the the crown jewels of that Oilers team are number one, Connor McDavid, and number two, Leon Dreisaitl. Sure. Uh, but I, I do think Warren Fogle will make a good addition. Um, and so we're going to, you know, we'll see what... what keeps happening here uh with that but i i right now am mostly pleased with what my oilers have been doing i'm still not huge on the duncan keith trade but they've been doing better all right eric i know you are a colorado avalanche aficionado i have latched on with the seattle kraken what do i need to know about philip grubauer Gru well one is it grubauer grubauer okay sorry that that's the number one thing you need to know grubauer got it grubauer you need to know that that signing made Eric very angry. Well, and, he's, a, uh, he's a Vezina award finalist, which is the best goalkeeper Ve- in the NHL. Oh, Vezina. Vezina. I'm learning about this. You're sport, learning. Okay? You're learning. Vezna. It's okay. okay. My he bad. is arguably one of the top five goalies in the NHL right now. He is coming off his second season of being a real starting goaltender. Okay. Started his career in Washington with the Capitals as a backup, came in. Uh, during that Stanley Cup run and actually was kind of pivotal to them that season in the regular season before Braden Holtby came in in the playoffs in about the second round to really lead them uh, to the Cup. He is a tremendous athlete, great glove hand, uh, a solid goalie, and yeah, I will miss him a lot. I do want to touch, though, Goal t- speaking of goaltenders. I was going to ask you your I, thoughts about this, if this I, is where I think you're going. I don't know about, like, the amount of goaltender movement we ha- have had over the past two weeks is unparalleled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never seen anything like it. Let me just read off the list really quick, courtesy of ESPN, and I'm going rapid fire here. Marc-Andre Fleury to Chicago, Philip Grubauer to Seattle, Frederick Anderson to Carolina, Antti Ranta to Carolina, Martin Jones to Philadelphia, Braden Holtby to Dallas, Laurent Broussard to Vegas, Yaroslav Halak to Vancouver, Peter Mrazek, Toronto, Carter Hutton, Arizona, Brian Elliott, Tampa Bay Lightning. But I'm not done yet. There's more. <laughs> Jonathan Bernier to the New York to the New Jersey Devils, Maxime Lagasse to I'm sure I mispronounced that to the Tampa Bay Lightning, Linus Olmark, up and coming guy, people are very high on him, think that he might replace Tuka Rask in Boston, David Riddich, Nashville, Christopher Gibson, Florida, Garrett Sparks, Los Angeles Kings, Hunter Shepard, Washington, Tori Grosick, the list goes on and on. Vitek Vanchich goes from the Seattle Kraken back to his original team of the Washington Capitals. Yeah. 
and there's like four more that I don't have time to get into. But Colorado Avalanche pick up Darcy Kemper as their new starting goalie. Why? Why, Alex? It just seems like they, they we we have totally the days of having like a solid starting goaltender for years on end seem to be over. Yeah, you know, and honestly, I don't think it's done yet because it, it looks like the Oilers are looking to trade Miko Koskinen. Right. Um, which I, you know, we'll see what happens there. You know, I I don't think I would be terribly upset about it. The one though that really does catch me off guard was Vegas trading. Mark Andre Fleury to Chicago. That didn't catch me so much off guard. Like I know that there's been friction between him and the front office. You know, he's kind of felt a little bit. You know, I know that he wasn't terribly happy, but I mean, he was a fan favorite. He was playing well, but he stopped playing well in the Montreal series. And one wonders if you know Vegas takes everybody always praises the Patriots for this, but maybe they said, okay, we've seen enough. We don't want to risk it. It also makes sense, though, because Robin Leonard is a very good goalie in his own right. So now, from what I've read, I don't know if you've read the same thing. Some people don't think he's even going to play for Chicago. Some people think he might retire. Yeah, there's, like, there's a strong possibility. I mean, he is getting up there in age. Yeah. You know, so. there is there is a good chance that he hangs it up before he ever, you know, gets on ice in Chicago. Um, and that wouldn't surprise me if he retired then. But just the fact, you know, moving him out of the program surprised me a little bit for Vegas to make that move. And who knows? I mean, Vegas, if they've been anything since they joined the league, they've been pretty aggressive in their in their moves. Um, we we saw that with the expansion draft and how they, you know, wheeled and dealed. And that I do, you know. Basically, their strategy in the expansion draft affected the way that a lot of other teams reacted this time around with Seattle taking that, where teams were a lot more hesitant to make deals with with Seattle because of the way that Vegas played it. They were very aggressive in acquiring the pieces that they wanted, and it led them to a Stanley Cup appearance in their first season ever. Um, So these other teams, I don't think, wanted to do that same thing. You know, they didn't want to make it easy on Seattle. Right. Before we get to soccer bullet points on all of the teams that are local here. Because say say you are a first-time listener to Saki, mm-hmm. and you say, hey, I want to get into soccer. Well, I want to get into hockey. Well, great news for you. One, subscribe to ESPN+, Plus because it's a great service no yes. matter what. You get all the MLS games. You can get into international soccer if you want to. They've got some of the best leagues in Europe. But next year, they will carry every single out-of-market NHL game, and that's going to be awesome it's going to be so good it's going to be awesome so if you want to know what we're talking about hockey is one of the funnest sports to watch give it a chance watch alex's oilers they have Connor mcdavid best player on the planet watch my colorado avalanche probably stay away from the kraken they're not gonna be very entertaining (laughs) to watch in year one uh arizona coyotes completely rebuilding tore everything down traded their best player away um, Los Angeles Kings, an interesting team to keep an eye on this year. Deep prospect pool, signed some good defensemen. They could be back in contention for the playoffs. And then the other team I would kind of consider local would be Vegas. Obviously, get rid of Marc-Andre Fleury, but they bring in some pieces as well. They're still kind of in their cup window, as is Colorado. So that is hockey. All right. It's a very long hockey segment, but it was good all the same. I, I'm looking forward to seeing how the Kraken do because if you get a guy who's yeah in the running for the best goalkeeper and you get him as an expansion franchise, that tends to portend well. It does. So we'll and, see. You know, worst case scenario for upcoming, you know, people that are on the fence about the Kraken, one thing that I can guarantee, even if the play doesn't look good, the team will look good because those jerseys are... Like, the, the sweaters that they have designed are beautiful. Yeah, they did a good job with that. All right, on the soccer front, quickly here, uh, Real Salt Lake is back in action tonight. They are in Texas, headed to Houston, taking on the Houston Dynamo. The Dynamo came to Rio Tinto Stadium earlier this season, got out of here with a 1-1 draw. One of the many draws that RSL has dropped points at home. The hope is, at minimum, you go and get a point on the road. That's what you always want, but... Real Salt Lake, they flexed some muscle last week, beating Colorado 3-0. Good to see Bobby Wood, finally, the high-priced forward acquisition, get back on the score sheet. Similar uh, circumstance. You also saw um, Rubio Rubin score. He had been on a little bit of a goalless drought. So 
you want to see your forwards scoring, and that's what RSL at least got last week, and the hope is that they continue on going into tonight's match. And Colorado, usually kind of a down team, not yeah. the case this year. Yeah, they, they, they are, uh, I would say, I have just very quickly here, yeah, if you let me. More competitive, yeah. My top five Western Conference teams, Jake. Okay. You, you tell me if this is about right. RSL's real rival, Sporting Kansas City, is currently, I believe, the best team in the Western Conference after beating Seattle I was gonna uh, say, about a week ago. Yeah. A very impressive win there. Seattle, only one loss. That loss to Sporting Kansas City, they are tied neck and neck. Minnesota United, very slow start, but playing their best soccer right now. Uh, Colorado, four, and then LAFC still hanging around. I actually think that's a pretty good list. So, well done to you, sir. Like the the biggest thing is I, I I would have thought a week ago I would have been like you're crazy to put anybody ahead of Seattle but Sporting Kansas City he did beat them head to head and Seattle's been nigh under impossible to beat most of this problem season. for them the past few years has been defense they shorted up they bought in some mm-hmm. big European talent at center back I think that they are a MLS Cup contender. Yeah, they're doing some good things. So we'll find out. Uh, RSL, uh, first kick in that game, scheduled for 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time this evening. You can watch it locally on KMYU, also the KSL TV app, or as Eric mentioned, ESPN Plus is a great resource, just for all sports, honestly. All right, coming up next, we get into technical fouls. Then coming up in the 1 o'clock hour, Ajay Salveson will join us to talk Utah State. You also hear live from Jared Butler, the Utah Jazz new draft pick, and A lot more to come right here on the Saturday show on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Cause that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal foul, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. As we round out the noon hour is, of course, one of the staples from the Saturday show that's gone for years, honestly. I don't even know when it started. Austin and Adrian back in the day started it, if not longer than that. But it is time for technical fouls, where we reward people for their stupidity in life. Lundy, where are we going this week? So I want to start with one of the big stories uh, throughout you know, the week from the world of sports. Uh, we're going to the Olympics. As we know, uh, Simone Biles withdrew from a lot of things, mm-hmm. um, a lot of different events, you know, citing her health, her mental health concerns. And, you know, I want to call a technical foul to anybody and everybody that is criticizing her or giving her any kind of blowback for this. You know, how dare you? You represent this country. No, no, no. You know, like. Just I want people to stop at the, if you're one of the people that's complaining. First off, technical foul on you. Secondly, I want you to think about this. Simone Biles, yes, she is the best in the world at what she does, right? But we see this in other sports where if somebody's not performing, they get benched, right? Mm -hmm. Do you really want Simone Biles when she knows that she can't give her best performance? Do you really want her out there? If she cannot uh, guarantee her safety... Because she's doing yeah. stuff that right. could absolutely critically injure somebody. Right. And even, like, the safety part aside. Yeah. Like, let's say that, you know, she's perfectly safe. She's able to do this, but she's not able to to land the scores that are required to, you know, win a gold or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, why are people demanding that she be out there and perform anyway? Right? Like, she's she she came off the vault and acknowledged, I can't do this right now. Like, I'm just, I'm not there. Mentally, I'm not there. I'm not capable of this. It's like, you know, seeing somebody go down with, like, a knee injury or something and being like, well, just leave them out on the field. Like, we, we, you know, and I just don't, you know, and anybody that's criticizing or saying, you know, oh, you're not mentally tough enough. You know, you should be mentally tougher to to perform at the, if you're expecting to perform at the highest level. Does anybody, you know, going back to the knee injury does anybody see somebody tear an acl and say well they just weren't physically strong enough to compete at the top top level no like it doesn't make any kind of sense to me why this is suddenly getting so much blowback why people are being so hard on this because like simone said you know mental health is health 
Sure. Right? It's it's an organ in your body, mm-hmm. the brain, that is not functioning to its proper capacity because there's some sort of chemical imbalance. There's something there. One of your vital organs is not functioning the way that it needs to be. That impairs your physical capabilities. So this is an actual, like, injury-type issue. And I just don't understand why people are so, like, just why they keep piling on with this. Because, you know, as somebody who has struggled with mental health, it's really not that simple to just say, well, just toughen up. Yeah. Right? You can't just... It's like telling somebody with asthma, well, what do you mean you can't breathe? Look at all the air around you. Right? There, there's something more here. Yeah, Physical and, manifestations of mental illness are tough for people to process, but it needs to be something that we as a society are able to, we just got to be able to say, no, this is a legit thing. Mm-hmm. Like We need to get to a point where mental health is part of the whole conversation. Right. And so this is, this is an area where I like, there's just so many people, whether it's, you know, armchair quarterbacks or you know armchair gymnasts in this yeah. case uh you know with cheeto crumbs on their shirts all the way up to you know <laughs> talking heads in the media like uh, people that have this opinion that you know she quit on the country that's you know like i'm not saying that you have to like praise her you know i'm going to i think what she's doing is great but i also understand people that want to maybe say okay well this you know Look, it's an injury. We don't praise somebody when they tear their ACL. Mm-hmm. You know, we feel bad for them and we move on. Next person up. If that's the approach you want to take, I'm fine with that. But anybody that's heaping on criticism, technical foul, because I think you're absolutely wrong to do so. I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, it's technical foul on those people who are saying, like, for lack of a better term, rub some dirt on it and get out there and right. go. It's just that, that doesn't fly because – she, it's just it's such a tough thing, and I'm hopeful that someday we'll kind of get to a point where mental health is just it's part of the deal, but it's still not there. Honestly, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sticking with the Olympic theme here in technical fouls, and it's kind of a two sided thing here. So, first things first, Olympic uh, swimming star from the United States, Lily King, uh, called out Americans American society tendency to downplay any other result other than straight out gold medal or victory. <laughs> Just see this, by the way. Yeah, this is a great quote. Quote, pardon my French, but the fact that we don't celebrate silver and bronze is bull bleep. Uh, She said that the 24-year-old Bloomington, Indiana native said after... (laughs) Nice. Well done. After winning silver in the 200-meter breaststroke in Tokyo, said just because we compete for the United States and maybe we have other extreme high standards for this sort of thing, that doesn't excuse the fact we haven't been celebrating bronze and silver and bronze as much as gold, she said according to a Yahoo report. I might be more than happy with this medal I've ever been with any of my previous medals, including the two golds I won in Rio. Okay, I have my qualms with you saying that. We should really be celebrating those silver and bronzes because those are the great moments of an athlete's career, that we, and why should we not celebrate that? Okay, I get what she's saying. Yeah. But let me explain why we as American society in swimming in the Olympics celebrate gold. You guys want to know, have, you, have I told you about this? Okay, I saw this yesterday. Uh, do you guys know how many gold medals in their history through the 2016 Olympics the United States has won in Olympic competition? A lot. 246. Wow. The next closest team uh, or a delegation, do you know what the next closest would be? I think you can guess probably the country. They're the other power it feels like in swimming. Australia? Yes. Do you know how many gold medals in their history they've got, though? I don't. Not off the top Not of my head. Not a ton. 60. Whoa. They're number two. Number three on the list, East Germany, a country that hasn't hasn't uh, been around for 30-plus years. Okay. United States is absolutely dominant in the pool. Overall, the United States have won 549 total medals in the swimming events. Number two, Australia, 192. The United States dominates the pool at the Olympics. I get what Lily King is saying, but at the same time, they've set a standard that you know what? You don't win gold. It's kind of like, well, yeah. what have you done for me lately? It's a little bit like <laughs> it's a little bit like basketball, right? Where sure. it, it, if the United States sends a basketball team that doesn't win gold, we yeah. v- we view it as a failure. Now, I I, things. I, yeah. I I get a little bit of what she is saying. You know, when it yeah. comes to things like you know, I know a lot of people were disappointed with Katie Ledecky sure. taking silver, mm-hmm. you know, and Titmus of Australia taking gold. Ariane Titmus, yeah. Yeah, where like in that case I get it where it, you know, 
I, I kind of agree with uh, this person that you quoted, whose name I'm forgetting. Lily King. L- Lily King. I, mm-hmm. I agree where I agree where it's like, let's not criticize Katie Ledecky because she s- swam her second fastest time ever. Yeah. yeah. And got silver. So, you know, but as a whole, I agree with you where it's like, look, we, you know, there is a precedent that has been set and an expectation that it might be unfair. Like, and yeah, yeah, let's celebrate when we do also get silver. Your top three in the world. Right. Good job. Like, you know, ideally, if we're celebrating a silver and a bronze, it's because we swept all of them. Yeah. In, in an event. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I like I see both sides of this and I, yeah. I so, yeah. Okay, so sorry, and, my radio show got hacked. That wasn't me. That wasn't my voice. <laughs> well done. No, it, but it, that's the thing about it. It's just, there's a precedent that's been set. We want domination. Okay, one other quick thing, real quick. This comes from Ireland's delegation. This was a f- hilarious quote coming from the BBC. Rowers uh, Fintan McCarthy and Paul O'Donovan. By the way, those are two absolutely epitome <laughs> of Irish names. Uh, made sporting history on Thursday, becoming the first Irish winners of an Olympic gold medal in their sport. Uh, they've also claimed the first gold for Ireland in this Olympics. Shortly after their win, they did it in double skulls, which is a, a sailing event, rowing event. Uh, they gave this interview to the BBC, and the quote about winning this gold medal coming from which one of them? Apollo Donovan saying, quote, It's all right, yeah. You can't complain about it, really. I wouldn't go around introducing myself like that, though. Unquote. Hey, phrasing. <laughs> oh, man, I absolutely. That one didn't like, make sense. That's I, okay. I would. Like, I mean, sure, cool. Good good on you for not going around. But trust me, if I win a gold medal in anything, I'm going to go around and just, hi, Alex Lundberg, Olympic gold medalist. <laughs> you and me both. It's going in the bio. No problem. So anyways, I thought it was pretty funny that, yeah, it's great, but I wouldn't go around introducing myself as that. I can't do an Irish accent or else I'd try to recreate it. <laughs> I won't do it on air. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. There you go. <laughs> All right, we'll come back on the other side. AJ Salveson will join us. 1.30, Jared Butler, New Utah Jazz Man, will speak to the media, get to all of that ahead on the Saturday show.